millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there. Welcome to the show. It's brought to you with Levi's Listers. Isn't it, Michael? Correct. I've immediately looked at you there. Are you ready for today's talk up? For yeah, the, yeah, definitely. For the, go on then. Well, probate convincing. Thank you very much. 10% discount on your legal fees. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Employer, employee dis- dispute resolution. Is that, is that a thing? Probably. Sounds about right. Employment law. Let's, yeah. let's put it under that. So for example, if, if you've got a little dickhead who, who works for you, who's legally bound by a contract. And not, he's, not me to be clear. No, 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 it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> who is, uh, is not, yeah, but you know I'm on about Willie Non. It's, it's a really thinly failed reference to Willie yeah. Non. So, so. Yeah. Will's probate conveyancing. Yeah, do that. Yeah, do that stuff too. Uh, yeah, levisisters.co.uk forward slash the square ball for your 10% discount. Thank you to Levi's for tolerating that. Moscow's here as well as we do propaganda, which is the show where we find out what's been said in the football world. Bit of Leeds United, bit of other stuff. Where do we start today, Michael Normanton? I feel like we need to start with City Extra. Right, okay. And it's not a clip, it's the end of an era. Because I've tried listening to them since this news. The magic's just not there anymore, it's gone. Um, City Extra for anybody who doesn't know is the Man City um, the, who was the Man City fullback I believe he's gone or he's going Conor Schwengel he's off to, off to Barcelona isn't bro. he bro they called each other bro a lot yeah and we loved them they were great genuinely quite endearing quite, in, quite an endearing pair but one of them the older one we always thought they were actual brothers didn't we because they called each other bro yeah and the younger one just agreed with what the older one said most of the time but it seems that well, either they're not brothers, or he's given a really impersonal statement because he says, "I wish," and he says, "I wish CX all the best going forward." So what's the news? You've not said what the news is. He's leaving. The older one. The older one. Is it's leaving. LB, which is a shame. And you read his little statement in his voice as well, which is. Um, <laughs> Can you? Could Moscow do that? I mean, no, because let's say like he's leaving because his mental health has taken a hit, and it's important to take some time away. So I'm not going to make fun of this young man for uh, with his statement. I will make fun of him for the times when he's like, because that was funny. I don't know if maybe the uh, having his little mate just agreeing with him all the time has kind of started uh, getting him down and that's why he's um, wanted to go away. But it's a shame because I, well, I mean, they've not finished, have they? So I don't know why he presented it in such a awful... They, they did one of my favourite things of the summer, which was, I don't know which player they were tracking. It might have been Guardiol, who we wanted at one point um, before he was good. Like, they'll just get the sellout players. But yeah, they took plane tracking to its absurd conclusion by live streaming footage of the runway as a private jet was coming into land. <laughs> they had three of them there, and they had all the stuff. They had all the explosions going on, and they had the um, not at the not at the airport, not at the airport. But they just were, sound effects. Yeah, they were playing their air horn sound effects and all the stuff, and it was really it's genuinely. I only saw a couple of minutes of it that got shared um, on Twitter and places, but I really liked where they were. Where they were going with that, like leaning into just how uh, ridiculous a lot of um, this stuff is. So, oh, he's all right. Old LB is going to. Uh, he says he's going to keep putting stuff on his personal. Yeah, he, uh, YouTube he is doing channel. stuff. And I watched that. And I watched City Extra. It's just not the same. It's no. like, is it like when your favorite band broke? It's like it? Oasis like, splitting or something. Oh, you know, like when, both, Rob, when Robbie left, take that. Is that how you taking it as bad as that? Yeah, they're all kind of. They're both. They're still sort of both going, but people don't want the solo stuff put, so much. Put the band back together. Come on, come on. Yeah. Get are this you, back together. Is this where he's starting the campaign now to get them to? I think so. I don't even know if there'll be any more flames in the chat. Right. That's not flames, that's air horns, but they have mm. them too. So that's, it, was all, it was all so good. Air horns do go with flames. I do I'll keep an eye. On some of our shows, maybe we need sound effects. Maybe this is how we, how we embrace it, you know, like Gen Z and, you know, mm. the, the youth. We've got this. Uh, what a yes. slightly overpriced reception <laughs> bell. Sound effects straight from. Um, Oh, are you being served? Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> I do like the bell. So no, it was a nice addition. It's just a little. No, it's quite nice. Uh, so City Extra, we will, we will keep tabs on them, and hopefully, there's a grand reunion somewhere further down the line mm. when he realizes the solo act is. Not, they'll be a, they'll no. realize there's, there's plenty of money in the arena tours. Yeah. They'll when, get back together, won't they? When they're uh, 
scrappy little football team overcomes the odds to uh, look its way or battle its way to a trophy at the end of the season. They don't want to be celebrating on two different streams, do they? So mm. maybe that'll be the thing that brings brings them together because they didn't win Cross the... Cross the streams uh, like Ghostbusters. Didn't win the charity shield. Oh, gutted about it. I'm so sure. already, uh, first this, now losing the charity shield to Mikel Arteta's Arsenal. And perhaps these are all the signs that Manchester City are actually falling apart, although they dealt quite well with... Um, with Burnley, yeah, it was pretty they? swift. Wasn't and it? then I was reading about how they're now they're just they're now just playing the goalkeeper in as a centre back. Have you seen this is the new thing? Watch for a laugh. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why else uh, Pep Guardiola would be doing this, but yes. So they they now you will look at um, their like a, a screenshot of their formation in the game. Flat back four, except one of the centre backs is the goalkeeper, right? And it's it's a guaranteed overload. It's so the, is this when John Stones pushes into midfield? They have a goalkeeper steps in to be the back four. Yeah, it's a guaranteed overload because people don't understand what to do if the goalkeeper starts playing in like further forward Chip than him. some of the defenders. Yeah, but he's got the ball. Head. That's the thing. He's got the ball. Ah, okay. So it's kind of to overcome. Get it off him. It's a bit of a way of overcoming because uh, Vincent Company is doing at Burnley, who they were playing, is doing man-to-man marking, or at least he was against Manchester City, which obviously we all hated when Marcel Bielsa did it, but now Vincent Company's doing it. Well, they lost four-one, so there's not really a point to be made. But yeah, to overcome all their outfield players being marked. Yeah, Guardiola's just playing a, a, his goalkeeper, basically shoving him up the field with the ball. He's doing it against Bayern Munich. This is all athletic article I read. Thanks, Moscow. So if anybody wants to get more into that, read there that. you go. Yeah, so maybe we could try it with Ilan Melier, see how he fancies bringing the ball up to the centre circle and a bit of distribution. Just on this, Michael, people always tweet and say, oh, he's the funny one and stuff like that. Don't you think about leaving us? Often, yeah. Because if, if you go off and start your own channel or whatever, or Michael's funny channel, mm. whatever. Flames we'll, in the, there'll be flames in the chat then. We'll fucking bury you. No flames. <laughs> just telling you. <laughs> no flames in the chat here. I was uh, just thinking about Burnley. Do you know what? Did you, have we covered this? That Bailey Peacock Farrell's on loan from there? Yeah, he's, he's seen you, with Uwe Rosler, yeah. hasn't he? Oh, of course he is. But yeah. he's, gone, um, he's gone as the reserve. Bless him. Yeah, and they said that they wanted uh, the joke we did at the time. Which was Michael wasn't listening to. About they wanted like different kinds of goalkeepers. It just felt like now we have different types of goalkeepers. And I said, yes, one good one and Bailey Peacock Farrell. So you've been mean about him again. Well, bless him. He'll be fine. Come on then, Splitter. Let's crack on. Well, from the high energy we used to get from City Extra, should we go chatting blues? Yep. It's Birmingham. We, when we heard, we'll hear from the Birmingham, Birmingham commentator in a bit, but we got from that. It was basically the greatest day in Birmingham's history was this. Is that because Tom Brady was there? Pretty much, yeah. We're going to talk about him, actually, aren't we? And but this is this is how that best day of your life comes through in a in a Brummie accent. It's it's pretty dour. It, like I said to once a blues, I did, and like I'd like to like I think that was more out of positivity. Um, yeah, I think if if I'd give you my truthful answer, I'd have said a draw. You know. Um, I would have said a draw. So to to come away one 0 and it just felt like on on the day it felt like um, it just felt like the whole day, the whole experience. I'm not, I mean, I was in the roost before the game, and um, you know, with like that Tom Brady, Gary Cook, and uh, Wagner, they all come from. They, they, I think they tried to get uh, through the bar, got kind of mugged, and then they came round the back and. Um, there was just I, I did actually put my photo, the photo of them up on my um, my Twitter account on, on chatting blues. They just got in, and then they kind of got um, mobbed. And now the whole day, man, just felt like uh, just a, a completely different atmosphere. And you know, I just you just, I, I don't know about anywhere else. Like we didn't look like losing, and like. Just like I said before, the footballing gods were looking down on us, man, and and it just the whole day was unbelievable, man. <clears throat> you know, I'd like to go into a, bit, a little bit more detail about it as well, but um... I've heard enough. <laughs> frankly, I, I wanted to stop him, but the footballing gods, because I've never heard Dan James described that way before. I know he smiles. Went on for half an hour that clip. <laughs> I know. I just heard it. Maybe he was just tired at the end of a long day, but I didn't get the sense that that was one of the best days ever. No. How long was that clip? Uh, about a minute and too long. Quite went on, didn't it? Minute and 28, that. 
could have edited that down, couldn't you, for brevity? But I, I realised why you didn't. <laughs> uh, that was the best bit. The rest of it was him going through. You know, I know we used to take the piss of whoscore.com. It was literally him clicking on each player going, uh, he had 14 completed passes, um, ground jewels, one, two out of three. I mean, I was doing exactly the same thing last week, so Shots. I can't really... Can I... Um, but for every player through the whole team, and it really at that pace. Apropos of nothing, can I just read you some excerpts from this Guardian article from the 4th of April 2008, which opens with the line, Silence could well be golden for ambitious Brummies after research found people with the distinctive nasal Birmingham accent were seen as stupid, while those with the Yorkshire twang were considered clever. This is a study into dialect. Uh, the Yorkshire accent is rated as the most intelligent sounding, beating received pronunciation, which is the BBC old-fashioned accent, isn't it? The accent of royalty in public school alumni for the first time. So people are saying that back, if back then, so it's only probably got better since then. Mm. They reckon that Yorkshire's dead good, better than posh, and better than silence as well. Birmingham, <laughs> Birmingham actually scored lower than silence <laughs> out of 10. Bless. John Barton, finally, the kicker to this. Do you know who it was who wrote this article? David Batty was the name of the journalist. Well, it seems it seems completely <laughs> neutral then. Com- comprehensive and uh, well thought out research. It's the first of April, this? Uh, no, it's not fourth. It was. Oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. 2008, back then. Do you remember that? Mm, I was going to say good times, but they weren't where we were in uh, League One. I think something special is happening in Yorkshire, this person added. Uh, with the closure of the mines, people are no longer associating Yorkshire with trouble at pits. Leeds has a lot of money and is a buzzy place. Nowhere has a lot of money now, do they? Brilliant. No. Oh, well. This was yeah, just before the 2008 <laughs> crash, that wasn't it? <laughs> well done, everyone. Where are we going next, Michael? Should we hear the Birmingham commentator? who A genuinely enthusiastic man. Yeah, so um, for those people listening on the visual radio, may have encountered the Birmingham commentator in their, uh, in their search for coverage of the game. Mm-hmm. He was uh, enthusiastic, more so than perhaps that gent from Chatting Blues. Uh, yes, very much so. A huge moment for the history of Birmingham City Football Club. St Andrews primed to erupt, poised in waiting. They've thirsted for this moment. Djokovic get in. And just listen to this place. Just listen to this place. The sound of revived St Andrews. It's three points against a really threadbare squad. I don't want to be in a, a ce- terrible game. I don't want to be the celebration police in the same way as you get people on. It's normally someone like Jason Cundy or someone on Talk Sport will say they're celebrating like they won the Champions League there when someone's got like a last minute win. I can understand people celebrating stuff, but the hyperbole there was quite Oof, something, wasn't it? That was it? quite a lot. A, histo- a historic day. And I, and I know it's because Tom Brady was in town, new ownership, and they probably feel like they've been downtrodden. Hmm. I will counter the criticism slightly by reminding us of um, Luke Murphy's last minute winner to celebrate GFH's first day when we... <laughs> that came Ken to mind Bates, for me as well. Uh, we were shrugging off Ken Bates. I think um, we were probably similarly carried away at that point. I was just looking... Thank God we haven't started this show then. Uh, the um, Birmingham City... So Gary Cook, who is their CEO, I think they've also obviously because he was the CEO at Manchester City for a long time. He's gone straight out today with a, an open letter to the supporters saying, uh, you made it a day to remember for our new owner, Tom Wagner, which I find a little bit weird. I mean, the whole thing is weird, like the whole Caltown show ownership stuff as well, but like as if that's, as if we gave like a, a millionaire a nice day out, not we, but the the Birmingham fans, like you made it a day to remember for our new owner, Tom Wagner. And like, all the Birmingham fans are like, yes. He's had that, a tough life. That's why we that's why we paid £30 a ticket. So a millionaire had a nice day. <laughs> Um, but all that, and yeah, they experienced a renovated stadium. Did it look renovated? It felt, quite, there. It felt very sort of early to mid-90s to me, did that? Mm. Games going on with a big um, blank space where they're the renovating grounds. I guess it was all the sort of post-Hillsborough stadium reconstructions that went on, but there was loads of that, wasn't there, for a time where you'd yeah, get like yeah. a boarded end of a stadium or mm. you could see men in hard hats stood around on, on kind of half-completed Bits of uh, bits of concrete. Mm. He's got his he's got his tenses wrong here. It's it's, it's renovating stadium rather than renovated. Um, an excellent team performance to defeat Leeds United, one of the favourites for a promotion. Mm. This guy does not know ball, does he? 
Um, and yeah, they're saying everything was great about it. And the global media followed Tom Brady and Tom Wagner into the roost and the George. It showed them celebrating with you all when we scored and then listened intently when they shared their feelings after the match. Birmingham, Birmingham City was in the spotlight. And then fans were exemplary. We're going to, this morning, the management team went through every aspect of the fan experience on the day. We reviewed what you told us. Things that worked, things that fell below expectations. It's clear there are infrastructure improvements to be made so that our staff can deliver a better service, especially making it easy to enjoy and purchase food and beverages. I'm not getting quite the uh, clean your own fucking pie off the walls uh, vibe from this that I was getting from our club um, until recently. Maybe uh, maybe this is the Tom Brady effect. But, maybe. but what they've got now, Moscow, is they've got new shiny American owners yeah. who talk a good game. Quite, lit- quite literally shiny. Yes. Sports stars from the, the world of the NFL. Who... Did, did you see? I mean, I know we've been absolutely bodied by them moving us off BBC One match of the day, primetime Saturday night TV at what, 10 20 or whatever. They've stuck us on ITV4, so you can watch us a little bit earlier, but it's on ITV4 and it's the EFL, which quite frankly feels like an insult to this, this grand old football club. And then, but then you're on ITV, the main ITV channel, at about midnight or something like that. And I happen to flick across and catch the start of the um, the AFL highlights of the weekend. So it was, it was an, an accident. I can only apologise for me doing it. But I did see the bit of our game, and the game itself was very, very short-lived. But then they spent, like, an unnatural amount of time talking to Tom Wagner and Tom Brady. Like, you thought it was going to be like a little a punchy mm. magazine piece. And they just kept asking him questions, the most inane questions. Yeah, they did it last week with Neil Warnock. So uh, it's uh, the same thing. And also they spoke to a lot of Plymouth people last week as well I, I also I was quite entertained by the um, the highlights on the ITV show because the game is kind of I felt like I couldn't remember anything um, nothing happened yeah. well exactly so I was like mm. I'll watch the highlights and there, there were this what happened and they showed um, Dan James where he chested the ball down and volleyed it over in the first half that was the first half highlights then there was the header from a corner that Birmingham put wide there was um, Sam Byram's head at the other end. Was that even included? Was that in it? I don't know if it made it. I don't I just, think it made I just, it. I actually just then there was Dembele running at Luke Ayling when Luke Ayling just kind of got in front of him and, and Ayling flopped the ball out for a corner. Then there was the penalty and then I think there was a bit of Rodan going up front the end. Yeah. And so I was. it confirmed in my mind it's like no, my, my brain was not deceiving me. There was nothing to remember from that game. Tom Brady's face though is interesting. It's an interesting one. He's, he's a divisive figure, is Brady in the States, isn't he? You either love him if you're a, like a Patriots fan or whatever, and maybe some of the old Tampa Bay, whatever they are. Are they still the Rowdies that play the American football at Tampa Bay, whatever? Could the, be. Yeah, they Buccaneers. do. That's the, I've yeah. got his wiki open in front of me, actually, because I was just wanting to check how old he was. Yeah, he's older than me, which I find absolutely mad. You look you look just as young. <laughs> Thanks, mate. And in, in just as good shape. Thank you, mate. Appreciate you there. He's weird looking, though, isn't he? He's like a doll, isn't you're he? You're much more human looking... The sort of character, which is what, very much what I'm aiming for. Like when you yeah. when you have an expression there, like yeah. you raise your eyebrows, yeah. and like you can see the creases. We, can, we, see, we all do it. You yeah. raise your oh. eyebrows, like as a, a almost as an, a natural thing, don't you? Yeah, because the elasticity in your skin changes, and as then you your older, face yeah. changes, and like around your eyes, if you smiled, yeah, you'd like your eyes would kind of show it, pinching on yeah. yeah, the yeah, edges. Yeah. Tom Brady, really weird. Only his mouth moves on his face, like a human Ken doll. <laughs> I found it really disturbing to watch him be, watch him talking. Mm. I wasn't really listening to what he was saying because I was just looking at various bits of his face and going, God, none of them move. I really proud to be here in Birmingham. <laughs> but yeah, well done to him, I suppose. He's, so the, 40, he's 46. He does look, I suppose he looks... I mean, I'm not 46 yet, am I? So who knows how good I will look when I'm 46. <laughs> Probably just reaching my prime. I think it'd be funny if, if I won the lottery in the next 12 months before I turn 46. Mm. And if I just showed up one day, hair <laughs> looking like Tom Brady's. Face belly moving, just then, just completely. So we're saying about you, if you if you turned up one day, like you know that meme about Shearer, mm. um, if he just turned up one day and nobody said anything, he just had like a hair transplant, just that, come back from my, my summer holidays. Yeah, yeah. If I just did that one day, just turned up and looked like a doll. All right, a lot. I mean, Brendan Rodgers sort of did it, didn't he, for a while? Mm. And Shane Warne. Do you remember him when he went away and, and came back with like nice new teeth and had lost a couple of stone? Yeah, good hair as well. He had, he, mm. he had his hair done, didn't he? Of course, because you've seen the adverts. Uh, anyway, we've got waylaid. We have a bit. Should we hear some? Do you want to hear some happy Leeds fans? Or well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I say, would love to hear a happy Leeds. I say fan. happy Leeds fans. Not 
completely miserable Leeds fans. Yeah, you, you can have completely you can have completely miserable or sort of still trying to cling to something. Let's <laughs> have the clingers. All right, let's have the, 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 the clingons first. Scott White, the Kentucky Yorkshireman, reporting in from Grassmere, Cumbria. What a match. Shazam. Well, while everyone is in panic mode, my advice is be calm, carry on, trust in Farke. Way too early to worry. Why on earth is everybody wringing their hands over all these outgoings and so-called lack of loyalty? Where on earth have the clubs ever been truly loyal to players? Can't blame the lads at all. Let's just focus, get our guy, new guys in. we got two weeks to go. Well, that's true. Had a very good game and looked more confident that goal during the week helped them. Uh, I thought Ampadu was absolutely brilliant again. And we need to sign uh, eight more players like him. That'd be great. Uh, and a striker. Let's sign a striker. Right. We need to move forward. As Coop says, you fuck off if you don't want to play in a lead shirt. We have a good manager and and we'll get behind him and the team. It's down to you now, 49ers, to be fucking aggressive and back us on this. So come on, Leeds. We could, we could do something this season. I still believe it. There's still another bloody 44 games of this shite to go. But let's keep the faith. Keep going. Come on, Leeds. It makes me quite happy that despite having a total dog shit 11 out and a dog shit performance, we were still a daft foul away from getting a nil-nil draw against someone in this league. We'll be fine. Either get rid of the absolute shit shows and get some new players in or get them to change their mind and play. Either way, half a decent squad and we're fine in this league. Be positive, I think. <laughs> I was waiting there. I thought you'd maybe not edit, edited the end off the clip, but no, no, it was good. I thought oh. I'd leave the, leave the pause for dramatic effect. Another 44 games of this shite. That was yeah. a positive clip. Yeah. The last point is a one I was kind of thinking of over the weekend because of all the, the things that were miserable about the weekend's events, I think the what really shone about or didn't shine about the game was how quickly we've just slipped back into completely forgettable championship matches that where nothing happens nobody remembers them and from years to come they just they start blurring into one partly because there's so many games in this division which I always moan about but partly because there are just those games it's the real feature of when we were last in this division of getting to Monday and thinking that game might as well not have happened so like QPR on a Wednesday Reading on a Wednesday yeah there's a there's a tedious shit. One that always sticks out <laughs> is when Michael completely forgot about us playing Rotherham in the FA Cup. Just a game that... And I, I remember being there, and but the details of the day, and it just none of it sticks out. Whereas, you know, we've, we've maybe been spoiled recently, but even the the times when we were getting battered by teams, you'd, re, you'd remember something about the match. Whereas this was just, as, um, as the last person was, was saying, we were actually probably reasonably close to winning it if we hit a ball at the goal that's probably all we needed to do and it might have gone in we'd have a striker yeah it could have helped if Dan James had noticed the guy running out on uh, over his shoulder and not clattered into him fine nil nil big deal just nothing and we kind of avoided that with the first match um, against Cardiff because he had the late equaliser and it's all exciting and lots of stuff happening and then boom and it will be one of those lineups as well. I think the um, the thing about the team sheet is you'll use that as a quiz question years to come. Can you name the team that played in the 1 0 defeat to Birmingham in August 2023? And a few years from now, it's going to be Did Shackleton played? <laughs> really? Are they, who was number 10? We must have had number 10. Or we'll be like, oh, well, that was the season that we signed whoever. So did they play? It's like, no, it was Jan Paveda. And you go, that, that of course he was. Yeah, and it'll all dawn on you and you think, how did we ever get through this? The championship game I'd forgotten, it, it came up a while ago because I think I'd, for some one of the guides or something, I might have come across it, but the when we lost 5-1 to Bolton at home in the McDermott era and mm. I'd completely forgotten about it. That didn't happen. And that's why I, I came across it as a result and I was like, I, 
I just don't think that can't be a thing. I just yeah. don't think that necessarily happened. But do you know, what? I just looked up that game. Do you know? I'm going to do a quiz for you. Do you know who scored the second goal for Bolton that day? Rodrigo. It was Djokovic. <laughs> I guess that's the other (sighs) uh, sad aspect of our return is that he's just scoring against us again. He'll probably get a like move on loan to some other championship team so he can do it again Mm. and then go back to Birmingham for the when they visit us. The other thing to cling to in that was Ampadu, brilliant, just sorts everything out, doesn't he? So if we can sign players, we can sign good ones. Yeah, Mm. and not for a lot of money either. Like in the grand scheme of things, I know it's it's a hospital wing, but. Um, what is it, 7 million rising. So if that's the kind of quality we can get for 7 million, I don't know if he's, it'll take a while to get used to what he's like as a player, but I don't know if no like, quality, because you associate that with being like creative on the ball, which is the thing that we really lack and stuff. But what I like about him so far is that he just fixes things. He's tidy. He tidies up. Yeah. If there's a problem, he's running there to, to sort it out. Rocker would still be thinking about... Cat stuck up it. a tree. There's Ampadu. He's up there too. So, but yeah, any loose ball, if anybody misses a tackle, he comes into with the next one. If there's a, a pass goes astray, he's there to stop it being a problem. If there's a cross coming into the penalty area, he's there to head it clear. Little and, Jimmy's uh, fallen down a well. He's there with a rope yeah. climbing down. So like Ampadu a lot, he was good. Good stuff. Um, should we do the bloodletting then? Let's get it out of the way. <laughs> Birmingham City finished 17th in the championship last year. We've got nothing going forward. When Rutter came on and then started drifting to the left corner flag, I just thought it was unbelievable. At the moment, I'm wondering if we're going to be able to have enough to even get into the playoffs, never mind automatic. I think we might be looking at a mid-table finish. It's not good enough. Evening, lads. I've had a pint and I've had a curry. So if now's not prime reflection time, there never is one. I can't believe I've had Premier League money for three years. We feel, fielded an 11 that bad. Four lads up top who weren't good enough last year so got loaned out. It was an ampadu away from a League One side that today, wasn't it? If that team from today played the whole season, we're going down, I think. There's only one word that can describe today. Well, two words, really. Fucking inept. When that penalty went in, I weren't, even, I weren't angry. I was just disappointed. It's just been shite. From the word go this season. I know we're only two games in, but wow, it does look bad. Anyway, Friday night, West Brom, make sure you get absolutely bladdered before the game because you don't want to watch that shower of shite. I feel like a lot of Leeds fans say this some of the things like, oh, Rooter and Dan James, they're going to tear up the championship. Oh, they're great options in the championship, those two. What's, what's that based on? What have they ever done in a Leeds United shirt? Yes, they're good enough for the championship. Absolute, absolute wank. I just, it's going to be a long season, isn't it? It's going to be a long, long season. That is the squad of an aggressive transfer window. <laughs> Fuck my life. <laughs> I enjoyed the sort of very sinister undertone to that last one. Like he was commentating on snooker. Yeah, or he was hidden in a cupboard waiting to uh, pounce. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there is time. There is loads. There's loads of time, but that doesn't well, make the, loads time. that doesn't make the present any any more fun, does it? A mate of mine, Neil, um, texted me and just said, "Football's supposed to be the escape," but now I'm finding things to to do to escape from the football, <laughs> which is how it feels at the minute. Yeah, I've been watching a documentary about the troubles in Northern Ireland instead of watching Match of the Day. That's how I've been spending my evenings. Right. So great fun. That's been. A distraction, I suppose. Not great, not great as a whole. But um, yeah, I've, I've not watched any match of the day or football league highlights. I don't know who's on it. Clem, Manish, one of them. I, I imagine one of them is doing it still on them. Uh-huh. Colin Murray, is he still doing it? I've not watched it anyway. So yeah, I've been I've been trying to distract myself. It is fair to say they fucked it, haven't they? The I think the thing that's standing out at the moment is as player after player leaves on loan after loan is that the predictability of this makes the lack of the visible aggression in the transfer market to this point even more bewildering. Especially, I think, Jack Harrison's loan clause is an interesting thing that's come up. Because that, um, regardless of when it was negotiated, when they put it in the contract, like there's obviously some foolishness if it was put in there in April when we're about to get relegated anyway. It would be absolutely 
blatantly obvious to me that him and Tyler Adams would be going, not only because of whatever they intend to do, but because of how easy it is. Yeah, like that's what I said to Phil on um, on Monday's show. What did they think would happen when they did mm. this? What did they think would happen? What well, was what, the, well, what they've not thought... What was the likeliest outcome? Because it's the path of least resistance, isn't it? Well, yeah. So what they've not thought to do is to do anything about it to mitigate it in advance. And that's the that's what seems uh, foolish to me at the moment. The, loan, the loans thing, I know that there's a great deal of anger about the loan clauses. And I'm not angry about it at the moment because I just don't understand it. I, I get it with the Brendan Aronson aspect that he might appreciate in value. But until somebody can explain to me what the actual thinking is between... Be, behind giving everybody a loan clause beyond just giving footballers what they want. Um, like I can't, you know, if I don't understand it, I'm not angry about it. It's just like, I, this is flummoxing um, to me. That From what Phil said, uh, Moscow, he was mm. suggesting that essentially they didn't want to be lumbered with a massive wage bill. So in negotiating the uh, the wage drop of 50 to 60%, they mitigated that by saying, well, here's a path out then if you don't want to accept that. Yeah, but then... and So, so, that's... so it's probably fe- it's probably fear of on Rajasani's part of being lumbered with a massive wage bill in the championship that he couldn't afford to support again because it must have crept up towards 130 million, maybe 140. Yeah, but then having made it um, easy to then reduce the wage bill, they haven't done anything, it seems, to then make it easy to actually have a viable squad in its place and that's that's the part where I'm being confused and where I'm angry at what they've not done is if the loan clauses exist and if you uh, know how easy it is going to be for Tyler Adams for Jack Harrison for Lewis Estera for all the players that arrived from uh, Jesse Marsh's uh, contact book how easy it's going to be for all those players to leave on loan without any fees coming in, there needed to be a better strategy for dealing with that than let's hope we can persuade some of them to stay. Which seems to be what it's... And going back to Because you've, you've given up control of, it, of the situation, haven't you? Yeah. yeah, and going back to that Daily Mail article and how they tried to present some of this where it says... Uh, that hard-hitting one, you know, about... While, uh, while those involved want to keep the precise details themselves for obvious reasons, a third-party data company was commissioned to uncover what it takes for a relegated club to make an immediate return. Their findings were myth-busting and many. While they are not being treated as gospel, they have formed part of the club's planning. And what can be said is that retention and know-how formed a key element. So so it seems like the plan has been, let's hope that Tyler Adams wants to stay. And that has persisted beyond him having a medical at Chelsea and then deciding to sign somebody else instead. Well, well, no, let's, let's, let's still hope he stays. Hoping he stays is not, it's not a strategy, It's is it? not a strategy. And a strategy would have been, and I always feel it's easy in hindsight, but the thing is they knew this was coming. So the strategy for this summer, if I would, was running this, would have been sort out in July who is staying and who is not, and then approach the window. Because the thing about, it's, it doesn't feel like we need players to leave to be able to sign players because all the players are leaving on loan. So it's not like we're waiting for fees to come in so that we can spend that money on players to replace them. They're all going for nothing. We can predict what the FFP effects are going to be. We can predict what the cash flow effects are going to be. You could look forward, and it's only a matter of looking forward six weeks to saying, well, if Jack Harrison is available on a loan, it's obvious that somebody in the Premier League is going to take him. So we need to do something about that before it happens. And yet we've got to this point. I mean, the striker situation is not even uh, related to that because it's not like, Pat Manford's going to have a, a loan clause triggered by anybody. Why? But because he's injured. <laughs> yes, correct. Um, but the fact that there is not, um, that we are now uh, hearing from Angus Kinnear that we're in for a player. Well, he told some people at service station, didn't he? That we're Reportedly in, so, we don't know for sure. Yeah, the, yeah, we're in for a player and they said, is it Perot? And he said, no, it's somebody who we think is just as good, which is immediately <laughs> sets the alarm two, bells two international, two international number nines and best yeah. jump striking talent and who all do that. We th- who do we think is just as good as Perot? But um, yeah, so if the whole strategy, as dictated by a third-party data company who was commissioned and paid to uncover what it takes for a relegated team, I mean, it is great advice. If you've got a load of good players, keep them all. But at some point, you've got to go to all those players and go, do you want to stay? And if they're all like, mm, oh, maybe. And that's not a... Well, uh, did you notice they were flummoxed by Max Verber? Because I think they went to him and said, do you want to stay? And he went, yep. And yeah. then, he went, then he did. He went, nah. So you've, got to, <laughs> you've, maybe got to, you've maybe got to look at your players in more depth than a third 
third-party data company allows you. And yeah, if the players are straight out lying, then there's not a lot you can do about it. But with players like, I don't, I don't think Harrison has never struck me as the kind of person who will lie about his intentions or or disguise what he's going to do for some kind of weird gain. And Tyler Adams doesn't seem that way either. I think Tyler Adams is completely transparent about what he's doing because as soon as there's a bid from Chelsea, he's like, yeah, I'm down there for that. That's not a problem. I've, and you and you know that he has international aspirations. He's the captain of USA. Where's he want? Where will he want to play? It will be a top Bournemouth. league. It'll be Bournemouth. It will be a top league. So that's what Bournemouth is. They're a Premier League club. So that's fairly obvious. It's not difficult to fathom that Wilf Nyonto, you know, it's not like the, the Euros that he wants to play in for Italy have just been scheduled. These things, are, there are ways of, of working out. And if there wasn't, if it was hope in the summer rather than commitment from those players, then building a squad or not building a squad around hope that they will play doesn't seem like the kind of thing that, you know, if we're being, we're supposed to believe that these people are like expert planners who are getting third-party data companies to uncover all this stuff. Let me stop you because in that article, as one insider said, these folks just get it. They do just get it. I keep, and, but that was about Wi-Fi in the ground, which I keep meaning to go back to the Wi-Fi no, in the ground Put thing. Wi-Fi in because then we can check scores and do things at half time. Well, yeah, it was all about, um, I mean, this is a complete like, uh, 90 degree turn, but it was all about, um, there was a view in the boardroom, boardroom, Leeds is one of the few venues where fans keep their phones in their pockets and concentrate on back in the team for 90 minutes rather than filming themselves pretending to celebrate. You can do that without Wi-Fi. Exactly. You don't need Wi-Fi to do it. So giving us Wi-Fi will not dictate whether anybody is filming themselves or not. Having a good team on the pitch will probably pre- prevent people from filming themselves crying while they're trying to get through another 90 minutes as bad as the uh, game against um, Birmingham was. While licking the pie off the wall. Yes, which is one way of... Uh, I wonder if that's what Birmingham will suggest to their fans. Go and clean it your fucking selves. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalised plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So I'm still, you know, being of a relaxed mind. I'm interested to know more about what they thought was going to be happening this summer. I think they naively thought that people would want to spend money on some players they could have for free for a season. I think they probably thought, we'll go down, but yeah, Harrison's going to have this in his deal, Mm. but someone will come in and just say, no, we want him, and we'll pay 25 million quid for him. Whereas obviously, what you would do is go, well, can we have him... For free, for a year. Can we just pay his wages? Pay his wages, pay a loan fee, lower FFP for us. Yeah, can we just just not pay very much and still have him? Um, Ideally not, can you buy him? And they've gone, yeah, but his contract says this, Mm. so no, we'll just have him on loan for a year, thanks very much. And so... and that's the thing is it, it's not even it, uh, just us talking about this by the way we should say that the drilling and the hammering has started below us in the uh, the work in the offices below which feels appropriate somehow just yeah. the, the sound of you being drilled into I'm always wary of a of a hindsight scenario but not when it feels foreseeable and not when it's being presented as as Marathe was when he was talking on the LUTV podcast that you know we're experts in this this is our wheelhouse we can negotiate, negotiate contracts, contracts in, in our sleep. sleep. So well, he, he wasn't enough. running the show then. Though. No, he may not have run though. He may not have negotiated the contracts that are causing the problems now. But he presented himself as the person who can sort out all the problems that those contracts could create. And we are not dealing with the problems that those contracts have created. Who signed off on the contracts is kind of is one part of the the problem. The response to them is the second part of it, and the response to them has been basically to sit on the hands and hope for and, the best and hope for the best and yeah. hope that Somerville doesn't get injured and that Nyonto doesn't refuse to play and that uh, um, I mean where would we be if Jan Pervader hadn't looked good in pre-season same position now we'd just be playing someone who didn't look good in pre-season <laughs> I mean where, where I was going with uh, Marate wasn't in the room to negotiate those contracts is that we know we know someone who was or should have been yeah but just before we get to that actually it's now looking pretty bad that he's talked about them being in the back seat and just having to watch what's going on and not really liking it 
I don't think that's the big W that they think it is now because it strikes me as a, as a minority owner that has just watched this unfold in front mm. of them or didn't spot the fucking flaw in the plan. It would have been a dub if the if they had sorted it out. Yep. It's fine to say, you know, we were in the back seat and he said, I've made a lot of notes. I've got a lot of notebooks that will of like how we can do things. But apparently none Hope of those for the best. Yeah, no, notebook. None of those notebooks seems to have had anything to deal with what is the biggest problem we have at the moment, which is that all the things that you could have predicted happening, or these players, let's say all the things you could have predicted the players wanting to do are now happening in August. And there's an element, Farker keeps talking about the driving seat. Marate is on about piling a plane, lots of travel metaphors. We need a train driver involved. Farker is talking about getting getting back control of the steering wheel and being in the driver's seat. And that could have been done. Like if you can sell players... Like that's the one thing you don't have to wait for players to decide what to do. But they're but they're saying that the market for the players has collapsed. That's the point. Is they're saying that relegation was so damaging to so much of the squad that nobody wants to buy them, and doesn't want to buy them in a situation that would not hammer our FFP. The, the so players. It's, it's better to take the slightly lower loss of FFP by loaning them out, such as is the case with Brendan Aronson, mm. than to say sell him at a loss and have that loss crystallized forever in the accounts. I think, but the uh, the players that are cause, sort of causing the late problems now with like Harrison leaving after the season starts, waiting for Adams to, to go, possibly for a... Has Adams got a fee? He's got a loan clause as well, wasn't he? But Chelsea were just going to buy him, weren't By they? By the sounds of it, most of them have got both, but nobody wants to yeah. buy the shite. Um, there could have been... I feel like there could have been more done to move those players on earlier in the window or at least to just decide that they were out of the equation. Injuries have possibly played a part as, there as well. But... Make this. Who could have possibly foreseen Pat Bamford getting injured? But who could have possibly foreseen Louis Sinistera wanting to go back to Feyenoord? Make a decision on that earlier. And with the weakness of our negotiating position because of the loan clauses, I don't think it materially weakens our negotiating position. Anyway, we're not going to be able to sell Louis Sinistera for any decent price because he's got a loan clause. So just regard that loan clause as triggered and move as if he's going because with that loan clause I said it about um, Harrison in the daily emails the other day if I'd known that loan clause was there I might have put a bid in for him because I could probably afford him I'd have him Mm. keep him away from Everton at at least but it's so like the number of clubs who wanted Jack Harrison over the last few years and then he's available essentially for now and if you do want to sign him permanently then it's a very favourable deal that you can get him on a loan for a while for a cheap loan fee and then do what we did with, with him essentially which is shove, uh, signing him in the future into the future of course Premier League clubs are going to come and, and want somebody who scores eight goals a season and why there isn't um, any sort of hint of signing some creativity in the final third to make up for that kind of departure is is bewildering especially when it's set against third-party data companies running <laughs> analytical studies that are myth-busting. And many. <laughs> and many. Busting so many myths. Well, they haven't that, that busted puff, any... That puff piece is looking ridiculous. They haven't it? busted any myths. What What is the myth that we're trying to bust it? Oh, actually, you can get promoted with hardly any good players. Uh, anyway, Michael's about to chuck Angus Kinnear under the bus, which should give us <laughs> another chance to, uh, to talk about him coming, coming, well, no. coming on the show in about another two or three weeks after the end of the window. These are things he said. Okay. These are things he said. How am I to blame for digging him up? I'm not saying you are to blame. I was just. It was uh, only a year ago as well. It wasn't a long time ago. Uh, not like I'm, a year is a long time in the game of football. It's not, it's not like I'm dragging out quotes from when he said that he thought Yusuke Iduguchi and Lawrence de Bock could be could be great for his in the Championship and the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Which happened. that'd be that'd be mean if you said that. That would be. I did. I found that by accident actually, but I did then. I did then tweet it. But anyway, this is him talking to you. I think I was on holiday at the time. What a surprise! Must be nice. Was it? It was lovely. Yeah. Um, a year ago, but he was talking about Rafinha and Phillips leaving and about player power and stuff. And it seems like all the stuff about player power seems to have been forgotten. But this is what he had to say about it a year ago. It's com- it's completely reality of, of the game. Ultimately, you know, the player decides the player decides where he where he wants to go, and uh, we can you can make that decision of saying, well, we're not going to sell the player, and you, and you have that you have that power, but then you have a player who is disgruntled. Um, you, you haven't given him the opportunity. Um, 
potentially that they, they in both of these cases i think opportunities that they they deserve um and um and then they're a depreciating asset because they're they're not going to re-sign a contract with you. Their contract's going to come down and you're going to get less, less and less. I mean, you know, Sadio Mane had a, a year left on his contract, went for 35. So you don't want to be in, in, in that position. Mm. Willie Nonto, anybody? Although Willie Nonto does it in mitigation, Willie Nonto has four years left. So <laughs> I think that's, <clears throat> that is an interesting aspect. And uh, Phil Hay mentioned uh, Calvin and Rafinha leaving on the show on Monday. And they didn't have loan clauses. They just had clauses that made it easier for them to be sold for a reasonable fee. We did not go down. Yeah, we didn't go down, so we don't know that. They may well have had loan clauses. Phil said they had relegation transfer clauses, but he said as far as he was aware, they didn't have any loan clauses. I feel like no one was aware of these loan clauses, though, until we went down, and then it was very clear everyone had a loan clause. Well then, okay, well then, yeah, they what, would have been loaned if they had loan clauses. Yeah, I think what we, what we would say, though, is that we, we will never know for sure either way, but the point stands, yeah. And they were probably, the truth is, they probably were both good enough players that well they were they were signed by Barcelona and Man City that's were, the point isn't it yeah, they, they, would were, have been, they would have been snapped up in the way that people are looking at Barcelona, Barcelona, yeah. Barcelona would have absolutely loved to pay a loan fee for Rafinha because they were pulling economic mm. levers all over the place so let's have a working assumption that they just that the loan clauses didn't happen and they didn't get we didn't get relegated either so there was no way of, I suppose there was no way of triggering them because we didn't get relegated Phil said they didn't have loan clauses, right? Phil knows nothing. Phil knows nothing. But if we take this as one instance, there, maybe Phil does have a, uh, the slightest hint of a clue. Um, when did we start putting the loan clauses in would be an interesting question. because As late as April, by the sounds of it. Well, that's when did we stop. <laughs> but because once you have, I think once you've given it to one player and agents know that you're giving these clauses out, that it's 60% wage reduction, but you can get a loan away. Uh, if the worst happens, um, everybody wants that then. Then the next person to come along with a contractor says, well, well we're having those clauses because those all sound great. But if there was a time when um, the Phillips and Rafinha deals were always being presented publicly as if we get relegated, we have to sell them for about half what we ended up getting. That's all anybody ever said publicly. So there may have been these loan clauses hidden away, but it seems not. And that would have been fine. I think if if the situation now was with Harrison, with Adams, with Sinistera, Melier, that it was all just like flat. There is a fee that we at least get back the money we spent on them, maybe a bit more if we're very lucky, um, represent that. The Adams sale fee that basically pays us back for what we paid for him is fine. Although I do keep remembering when uh, it came, wasn't there loads of stuff about we only signed Adams on loan in the first place anyway, so... I think it's probably more, I think Wise maybe got crossed there and that we didn't pay anything for him in the first year and it's all mm. become due later on. But anyway, let's move on to the next clip then because Michael's got a couple to get through. Go on. This is just him talking about transfers and squad strength. Yep. Again, remember this is a year ago. So he's talking about the fact of <laughs> selling Rafinha and Phillips and actually saying, which, is, which I guess was part of the strategy, saying how it's a good way of building our profile to sell players to big clubs. Right, okay. I think the squad is stronger than it was last last season. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is we can use it as a competitive advantage in recruitment um, at both academy level and um, by signing uh, you know, younger, unknown players in the transfer market because we have case studies for them about what a platform Leeds United can be. And ultimately, we don't want to be selling our best players. But if we can recruit players both at academy level and at, and at international level by telling them, you know, Leeds is a fantastic club to, you know, to elevate your trajectory to go and get ultimately to go and play at the top levels of the game. That's a competitive advantage, and that'll make Leeds United better. Because people want to hear that it's it's going to be us that gets to, you know, take them on that trajectory. But is is that just not a reality? Is, Le- is Leeds just simply not wealthy enough right now? It's not about it's it's not about wealth. It's about it's about fo- it's it's partly about wealth, but it's more about footballing success. I mean, the reality is, you know, Newcastle United have exactly this issue. Newcastle United have no, they have no boundaries in terms of, in terms of the money that they could spend other than, other than financial fair play. But they have the challenges of the best players in the world don't want to go and play in a team for two years, which is going to be upper mid table in the Premier League. They want to be playing for Champions League teams. And so that's, um, uh, you know, we are in a, we are evolving. We are being able to sign better players and retain better players than we have previously. I mean, I think the first three transfers I did when I was at, when I started at Leeds United were selling people to Burnley. We're not doing that anymore. Nope, we're trying to buy them from Burnley. We're trying to loan them to Burnley. Selling them to Bournemouth as well now. 
Oh dear, that has aged well. Oh, that has aged it? like milk, hasn't it? That? Newcastle, poor sods, all struggling yeah. away, aren't they? Because what they did is they invested, and I, you know, invested to a, a silly level when they needed to, but not beyond what we've spent. I don't think since we no. took up, and they got in the Champions League, and that's mm. enabled them to buy better players. Yeah, bit unfortunate for Angus, that isn't it? Well, I think the whole thing is um, we've we've had several years of uh, the people running Leeds talking a good game about stuff like this because you're essentially talking about doing what Brighton do where you you go to a, a player when you said internationally you go and find some player in a, an underrated league and you say if you come to play for Leeds in the Premier League and demonstrate you're a good player you'll you'll get a move to a Champions League club and um, that's exactly what Brighton do but Brighton have two advantages one they're much better at finding the players and they are they always they pride themselves on looking like a few leagues ahead. So they're looking in, in leagues where nobody is, is looking for players, according to them. And then they, they uh, bring them to the Premier League and they're brilliant and they make them better. And they put them in a team with an exciting manager and they, they win loads of games and everyone wants them. And then when other clubs come along and want to buy them, they um, don't let them go for peanuts. So Brighton, have, it's exactly the same stuff as Leeds have been talking about for years with the big difference that Brighton have been really, really good at it and we've been really, really bad at it. And Angus, they're talking about players in the previous clip, talking about players deserving moves. Bollocks to them. <laughs> Why are we helping them get their big moves? Fine, you know, Rafinha was good for us and maybe he came in on a promise of do a couple of years, you'll get your big move. That's fine. Still, look after the club first. Bollocks to the players. They'll be fine. The other point moves on to as well in the, in the second clip about the giving players a, a platform to you know, change their trajectory and maybe kind of bring them on a level, which you can see how that works if you're good. You can also see how a player sees the trajectory heading towards the championship and thinks, fuck, get me off this trajectory. I need, yeah. to, I need to immediately leave this. I did because enjoy, because I this is not, this is is not they, what I signed up for. Which is why they have a long clause to make it easy mm. for them to get out. I did laugh at the um, the idea that they can sell like this trajectory to, to young players and I couldn't help but think in my mind of the end of the Spurs game where everyone's singing, you're not fit to wear the shirt to all the dickheads who took us down. It's also There's worth, your trajectory. Uh, worth remembering that one of those trajectories was captured on camera in the Calvin Phillips documentary, um, which was produced and paid for and made by Andrea Ratrizzani's uh, film production company. And the whole point of that is that he's been taken from the streets of Leeds through a youth system and sold to Manchester City so all his dreams can come true. And with the other series that they... Uh, the same studios did Neo Studios Academy Dreams which is all about young footballers at the academy um, and then they they get this pathway through and they, their dreams come true as footballers so that's all you know propaganda pieces that you can show to a player and go like oh if you're thinking about coming to Leeds have a watch this Calvin Phillips documentary on Amazon and you'll see how we looked after him and we got him we got him to be have his big move to Manchester City but who else has that worked for? That's the problem. It worked for uh, Calvin Phillips because he also got hold of him and turned him into a really good player. But, you know, I don't want to pick on any of our under-21s in particular, but um, there's not like a big queue of players following him to Manchester City and Liverpool and Newcastle and Arsenal. They're all... Well, none of them have made an impression, have they, really? To any great extent. No, and who? and you do wonder how come... Brighton can have so many young players making um, positive impressions and getting those moves. Um, whereas our youth system, I mean, one of the problems last season is that the, we brought in a new under-21s manager in Skubala and then within six months he's having to work for the first team because we've sacked the manager who supposedly had a good track record of blooding youth but would have rather done anything apart from give Joe Gelhart more than about two minutes at the end of a game. So he had to go to Sunderland and make the best of it. So you can see how Leeds have tried to position themselves on, it's probably the model that they've finally settled upon the, is the Brighton model, but have just made such a... Dog's dinner? Yeah, such a mess of the whole thing that it's, yeah, that's that's the problem. Good idea. Bad execution. Bad execution. Yeah. Right, final clip then. This was uh, a question, the big question. Did I ask this a year ago, this big question? You did. Let's see if it's still relevant. So do you think we'll get either a forward player or and or a left back? I think um, uh, there is, the funding is there, the will is there, 
Um, but at the same time, I think there is a, um, uh, you know, we know we can't make the mistake of getting someone who doesn't work. So we're not going to, we're not going to panic and we're not going to get somebody who, uh, who we don't think has got a real chance of success because for a club of Leeds United standing, the things which are going to go killers from both a footballing perspective and a financial perspective is transfers that don't work. And we've got to do absolutely everything we can to minimise that. I took that to mean we've already spent money on Junior Furpo. We have to make this work. Bamba Dieng's on the line as well, and they're not panicking. Well, Jorginho Rutter is the the big counter-argument to that, because in what sense did he ever work? We wanted, um, in that window, January, Shea Adams, really, didn't we? Or equivalent, just a solid £5 million, £10 million striker. So we've got a 35-year-old, £35 million 20-year-old, 21-year-old winger. <laughs> so this whole thing, like, oh, we've got to be very, very careful about the players that we bring in and, and resale value. I mean, what's the... Re- it was always, from the start, mystifying what is the resale value going to be. If we, if you're starting at 35 million, and how, what were the outgoing fees for Phillips and Rafinha? Like, 50 each? It was 42 yeah. for Calvin. And 55, was it, for Rafinha? I think 50-ish right. for Rafinha. So even if they reached that level, the... The profit that you're making is not even substantial. Although I think in fairness, the router, wasn't it 25 up front and then there's 10 million of add-ons or yeah, something? Yeah, but I guess it's so the expectation, but to, for it to be worthwhile, we've got to be selling him for like over 50 million quid. Mm. And now we're in the championship and unless somebody really values air kicks, it's not um, <laughs> it's not working so far. Poor Georgine, yeah. Poor Georgine, I think, yeah. I think the last clip as well, I think it's just because it stuck in my mind because I think I ended the match ball by saying buy a left back buy a striker Pat Bamford's never going to be fit Junior Furpo's never going to be good and that's essentially the, where we were a year ago and here we still are mm-hmm. with and Sam it, Byram now who is admittedly better than Junior Furpo I mean that's it, the big difference and it kind of goes back to, to it's a it's a shorthand away of what I was wittering about before but it doesn't seem insurmountable that we could have had four more players like Ampadu by now regardless of what the outgoing players want to do. It doesn't seem like that would be a stretch on FFP or a stretch on what the um, the 49ers could afford, or it would be that that would blow up in our faces if suddenly Tyler Adams wants to do X instead of Y. And we would just have a better team if we had the Ethan Ampadu of being a striker, or even Joe Roden alone. You know, if we had four players throughout throughout that team who were here on a season-long loan who were as the reason, same reasonable quality of Joe Roden, who, you know, maybe he's going to be playing up front, so maybe that is all <laughs> sorted. But that's just what it needed, is just to have those some insurance there, because at the moment, maybe these players are all lined up. Farker still speaks um, with great confidence about the things that lead to doing behind the scenes. But, um, but even, like, they're even bad at feeding stories to the press like when they got <laughs> Graham Smith to print the thing on Monday afternoon about oh they're still hoping that Tyler Adams will stay and then tick tock tick tock Tyler Adams is going to Bournemouth it's like you're not even good at feeding a line and yeah so it's um, and so when it when when what is revealed feels that bad it's difficult to have the faith that Farker says we should have in what we're not seeing Working, maybe he's right. Working, maybe it's all going to be brilliant. They're working unbelievable hard. They're working unbelievable. Let's hard. wrap up the show. It's gone quite gone on quite long enough now. Let's finish with the um, Anfield agenda. Just to say, we've got some more propaganda clips over on the members show this week. We've got some Jesse. I've deliberately found a clip of Jesse that'll make Moscow angry. <laughs> Good. Look forward to that. We'll record that um, straight after this. Just who I want to be hearing from right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we'll finish on Anfield agenda. And this is a clip that's been doing the rounds on um, Twitter over the weekend. Which it's it's the comedy timing of this, isn't it? It's the it's the it's the run-up and then the payoff at the end is absolutely delicious and uh, makes us thankful, I think, that here in the poxy EFL, we don't have to deal with VAR. Oh, ball slipped in. Mo, 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 Molazzo, Molazzo, Molazzo! 2 woo! 2-0, ice cold, ice in his veins, woo! Mohamed Salah, the Egyptian king, rips the defence apart. It is Chelsea nil, Liverpool 2. Are you watching Caicedo? Woo! Your boys are taking a hell of a... He's offside. 
He's offside, probably, lads. I think he's offside. <laughs> Just the change of pace and the, the realisation. Uh, I do like Malazzo. It's mm. pretty good. Never heard that before. No. It's a portmanteau, isn't it? Of mm. Mohamed and Golazzo. I'll try to think of yeah. which players that would work with for us, but one of them needs to score. Bam, Bam Lazzo. Or stay. Yeah. Anyway, we will wrap it up there. Thank you for joining us on the on this week's propaganda. I hope you feel better that we've... Uh, cathartic it felt like, actually, just to get some of that off our chest. I'm, I'm almost looking forward to West Brom on... Uh, Oh, we'll beat them 16 seconds <clears throat> yeah uh, we will uh, we'll preview that with Phil later in the week after the press conference we'll see you soon the square ball podcast head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long catch the award-winning movie poor things starring Emma Stone Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.